I remember hearing, I want to start with this illustration, I remember hearing years ago a story that simultaneously motivated me, convicted me, and stressed me right out. And it went something like this. There's a man, he is at the pearly gates, he's passed away and he's standing there and Peter comes to him and Peter says, welcome to heaven, I'm so glad you're here, good and faithful servant, let me show you around. And he is pumped, he's getting sent on a tour. All right, so on this tour, he goes around and he's being shown fancy, beautiful things and these beautiful stonework and just all this great art. And then he sees his mansion and all of this is exciting. And then he walks a little further and Peter's showing him more things and he sees in the corner this big, huge warehouse. And he turns to Peter and he says, uh, what's, what's over there? What's in this big warehouse? Peter just says, kind of dismisses, don't, don't worry about that. That's don't, it's not a big deal. But then the curiosity gets to him. And his curiosity, he looks over, asks again. And in all of that curiosity, he finds himself uh, just asking again and again, Peter, please, just tell me. It's like, okay, fine. Let's go in. Let's take a look. They go in, and it's just like an archive. Rows and rows and rows of these boxes. And he asks, what? What's, what's going on in here? And he's like, well, these are all gifts. These are all gifts to God's people. And the gentleman looks over and he's like, do I have one in here? And he says, yes. I don't know if you want to see it, though. So he goes over. He goes and he's like, well, okay, I really want to see it. Please, just let me see it. And so he goes over. He opens up the box. And he's like, I don't recognize this. I don't remember this gift. I don't remember this gift. And he's... A little bit confused and all of a sudden he realizes so Peter turns to him and says well see these were gifts that were always designed for you they're always meant for you to live and enjoy in your life but you didn't take them you didn't want them while you were down on earth and so they're in storage here and his heart was just broken and frustrated and sad that he had missed out on these gifts when I first heard that story as a teenager, uh, a kid growing up in church, having a deep sense of God and his reality and truth, that was powerful for me. I remember hearing that story and thinking, I do not want to be someone who screws up his life. I don't want to be that guy that misses out on what God has for me. I don't want to live my life without the focus, purpose, and meaning just wandering around. I don't want this. And then you add to that kind of story, stories that we hear throughout Scripture. Stories like Abraham being called out of Ur to be sent on this new trajectory where he starts a new family with God. Or we have Moses, he's doing his own thing, tending sheep, and then there's this burning bush. And God's voice speaks to him and sends him back to Egypt. Or we have Gideon, where he's threshing wheat, hiding from his enemies, nervous and afraid, and then God speaks to him and says, now is your moment. You're going to be a judge. Go and do my work. And then we have Jonah. Oh, man, when I was a kid, I, Jonah was one of those stories that I loved, and it terrified me because I was afraid of being Jonah sent to a place I didn't want to go, right? I did. That was my thought pattern. Um, it's a hard story if that's the framework, if that's the lens that you have with the story of Jonah being like, 
God's going to get me to go somewhere and do something that I'm not really going to enjoy, but I have to do it because it's God. And I remember as a kid, I wrestled with that. Now, in all likelihood, you have not wrestled with that kind of call, that, those kinds of challenges. Maybe some of you have. And if you are that person, let's have a conversation sometime. I would love to talk to you about what it's been like for you journeying as a kid growing up and maybe onwards in life. What does it look like um, to wrestle with this kind of situation? But whether the pressure came from church to know your purpose, to know your call, or it came from cultural pressures that you can do anything if you set your mind to it, and we have these famous people, rags to riches stories, there's a lot of pressure. And to some degree, we all wrestle with the same question. What is my calling? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Maybe you're a senior and you're thinking to yourself, I've already done 90% of my life. You might be thinking, this question doesn't apply to me. It's too late for me, you might be thinking. But it's never too late to find or refine or develop your purpose. If you are still breathing, God still has a call on your life for you to live. Or maybe you're a senior in high school. Good timing for that one. Maybe you're a senior in high school and you've just graduated and there's career, college, uh, gap year questions lingering in your mind and you've probably been asked this question a hundred times, oh, so what are you going to do now? Or what are you thinking you're going to do with your life? With all of these questions swirling around, I'm sure a lot of you can appreciate that. Or say you're the new mom and while you love, love your new child, and you, you're just so excited about it, it's also got you wondering a little bit about, what's my purpose now? Like, do I just feed and pick up toys and clean and sleep and repeat? Like, wh where's God's call for me in, in this kind of rhythm? Or maybe you're in a career right now, and you've been doing it for a while because it made sense. You're practically minded, and it, you're good at it, and it seem to be the right thing, and yet there's a numbness. It just, there's something else that you're looking for. And that's something else, a lot of times we, we refer to as the like, purpose and call. Um, it doesn't, it's one of those things that stirs in your hearts. It keeps you up at night. It gets you excited or brings you joy. It's those things that we are exploring and that we're going to think a little bit on today. So whatever season of life you're in, Whatever circumstances have come your way, we all are called, we all are designed to steward our lives well. A life that we want to live well, however, we have to embrace our potential. We have to go after those things that we are good at. We have to evaluate our lives. We have to live from time to time checking in with ourselves about our purpose, our calling. We've been gifted with this life. And every, um, with every existence, um, we have been gifted with life. And just give me a second here. We have been gifted with this life, and our very existence is a gift to this world. We are not designed to let life just happen. When God created humans, he set them to work, and by all observations, the work was satisfying, meaningful, gave God glory in it, and it produced joy. These are the things that we 
are reflecting on. So God calls people, and you are no exception to that call. There is nothing that you have done or will do that disqualifies you from being who God has created you to be. It's not too late. It's, you're not too far gone. You've not messed up enough that God can't take what is and fashion it in such a way and work with it and redeem it to have value. And for those of you who are good at everything, which is kind of frustrating sometimes, um, to be good at everything and the world is at your fingertips, you too have to find your focus. You have to narrow down all of the options and carve a meaningful path for your life. So call. It's a big word. It fills a ton of stuff. Like you could, we could spend an entire sermon series on it. So what I want to do is I want to narrow down the conversation a little bit and explain what I mean by call, generally and then more specifically. And then after that, I want to examine three characters um, in the Old Testament that I believe will help illuminate and help carve a path for us as you explore where you're at in your own call journey. So the first thing that I want to highlight um, in the general call is that you have an eternal call. There is a call on your life to be Christian. God, the creator of everything, the God who made men and women, who's marked us with his image, is calling and inviting every single one of us to follow him and to give our lives over to his love and his goodness. He calls us to follow him, and we see that in the life of Jesus. Every encounter, every person he met, he invites to follow. He invites to join him on his journey. We have an eternal call. It is the centerpiece of what it means for us to be Christian, to live a life of loving God, self, and others. So we have an eternal call. But this is not the call that we're going to talk about today. That's not the focus. As important as it is, we're going to look somewhere else. Now, secondly, there is the, what I like to call, the right here and right now call. Right here and right now call. You woke up this morning, I'm assuming, uh, and, and you have responsibilities. You have commitments. You have promises that you made yesterday that you need to keep and honor today. You have duties that come with being a son, with being a sister, a husband, a mother, an owner, a citizen. You have duties and responsibilities this very day that you are called to fulfill. These are the tasks of everyday living. You have a call to honor that. You have a call to be present to your spouse, to help in your local church. There is a call of this kind, and it's central to life. You wake up with it, and it's in front of us. Sometimes those tasks can be piled so high that you sometimes wonder, is this the only kind of call, the only path in my life is just doing right now? But those are important challenges. These are important things. Um, and you, they can't be overlooked. Um, in the passage that we read earlier in the Second Timothy's portion, there's, it says this, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Now, in that simple, brief passage, 
It basically summarizes that first call, the eternal call, and the right here and right now call. That we are called to live a holy life right now, right here, and we cannot ignore that. That is so important. But I don't want that to distract away from the third conversation that we're going to have. Growing up, um, I, I personally experienced this deep sense that I needed to serve the Lord, that I needed to follow after Him. And that is a general call for all Christians, right? To be holy, to follow after Him. But what I had to process, and I think there's a lot of us that might have to wrestle through this as well, is what's the difference between living a holy life every day that we're called to live and living a holy life expressed through pastoral ministry work? For me, that was something I had to wrestle with. For some of you listening, probably a small, small minority, you're also wrestling through that question. You know you're called to follow after Jesus, to serve him with everything you have, but you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, I want to live this holy life, but does that mean I'm supposed to be a pastor, a preacher, a teacher of the word? I, I don't know. Well, those are important questions for you to reflect on, and I hope that these next three stories help you as a specific person or a couple of people, as well as all of us as we try to navigate our call. So that third aspect that I'm talking about is your life call. Uh, another word might be used as vocation. That personal and specific call on your life. It's that unique path that fits you. It's, that pla it's the place where your passions, your skills, your gifts, they mix together with your context, where, you're, where you are, what your situations are, the limitations in your life, all of that coming together with the needs of the world and guided by God's voice, wooing and nudging you along. All of those crazy bits of information coming together in many ways is what we describe as your call or what I will talk about today as your call. Do you remember when you were young and you were doing something that was bizarre or random? Uh, that happened to me a lot. And my mom turns to me and says, what on earth are you doing? To which I don't have an answer because I'm like, ah, I'm doing a thing right now. I don't know. But that question, even though it's kind of sarcastic and most of the time when a parent uses it, they're not actually asking the big question. But it is the question. What on earth are you doing? This life call, it's, it's focusing in on that. Uh, to find and fine-tune and courageously work out our calling. Here's a statement I'd like you to reflect on. Your call is a gift from God to the world for His glory and your joy. Uh, let me say that again. Your call your calling is a gift from God to the world for his glory and for your joy. That's what we're talking about. Now, there are three characters that I've chosen to look at. And honestly, this entire scripture, all of God's word, we could go through all of it and we could explore like page after page of God calling and, and speaking to individuals. And we could use a bunch of characters, but I've chosen just three particularly because I have 11 minutes left. I could do more. I won't. 
Maybe we'll do that later on down a couple you know, months from now. First person I want to look at um, is it's a small story in Exodus. A lot of people will skip over it. His name is Bezalel. I know, it's a tough one. I was afraid to say it, but I'm like, I got to go for it. Bezalel. And this character in Exodus 31, 2 to 5, this is what uh, God says of Bezalel. See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Interesting, hey? I love what this brief passage says. So the story goes on that this, this statement has been said to Moses, and they're in the process of building the tabernacle. So they go, they start to assemble um, the needs and all of the requirements, and then they go to Bezalel, and they say, we need you because you have these gifts. You have these clear skills. He was a talented man in these crafts. And it was in that space that Moses invited him in, and he fulfilled a purpose in building and constructing the tabernacle. And what's great about this is that it even says that God filled him with his spirit to accomplish these crafts and these skills. Friends, it's really easy for us to put a lot of emphasis and a lot of uh, accolades on a certain kind of gifting or skill set, but this passage so beautifully articulates and speaks to the artist, the craftsman, the, the technicians, the designers, the builders, the people that just create and do things that are so common in our world, and God has anointed that to, to be a good work in this world. If that's your personality and your passion, that's great. The deeper thing that this story exposes is that gifts, talents, and skills, your capabilities are part of the mix of how you think through and work through your call. It's not just something random out there that is not attached to the things that you love and the things that you're good at. If you're good at it, it's likely going to play out in your life. If you're naturally talented and knowledgeable in something, you can expect that that will be used in some way, in some fashion, as you work through the call of your life. And Bezalel is a perfect example. He didn't enter the ministry but he gave God glory by doing exactly what he was good at, and he probably loved it. The whole community knew that he was good at these things. It wasn't just God calling him out of some random spot. He had likely been working with these tools and developing these skills for years before he ended up being what he was. So this simple story, it helps remind us that one core component as we explore and develop and work through our calling is who are you? What are you good at? What do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? Start there. Allow that to be part of like the soil that grows up into your calling. So as you consider your calling, I want you to consider that. And it's so important, and I, I'll go back to the Romans 12 passage now. So Paul, to the Romans in this passage, uh, says this, 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And then later on, I love it, he says really simply things like, if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What you have gifts in and skills in, do them. And do them with effort and energy and passion. And you will start to see your path emerge. Even if it's years down the road, start to reinvest in those things that are life-giving and that you enjoy. So how do we refine? How do we figure out from this first point? I encourage you, try things. (laughs) It's that simple, right? Try things experiment, explore. Um, if there's a passion that's been in, your, in the back of your mind, talk to someone about it and try it out. Uh, other options are things like take personality tests or gift tests. Find out kind of what, what makes me tick. What, what do I enjoy doing? And sometimes we need a little bit of help from other people and help from assessments to do that. So that's our first point, gifts, our talents, our skills, just the makeup of who we are as a person. Now, the second field of questions are things like our limits, our context, our circumstances, those things that contain us and and frame it up. It's the sandbox that we get to play in. And to this, I want to go to the story of Ruth. And very briefly, let me just describe the story of Ruth to you. So Naomi and her husband and two boys, they moved out uh, out of the Jerusalem, Bethlehem area to Moab. As they are in this new country, um, Naomi, her husband, dies. Her boys get married to Ruth and Oprah, not Oprah, Orpah, (laughs) Um, and her boys, and then her boys die. It's actually really sad. So everyone around her dies. I shouldn't be laughing, but it's because I said the word Oprah. Um, And she's, she's left in despair. There's not a lot of options left. And she's made this decision that she's going to go back to Bethlehem, back home, to Judah. And then she says this to to her uh, daughters-in-law, just leave me. Like, you have no attachment to me. I can't help you. Um, My sons are dead. So just go back to your home and go back to your gods. And one of them does. Ruth does not. Ruth says, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Wow, that is a strong oath, a strong promise. But in Ruth making that promise and Ruth making that commitment she has constrained her life it has set her on a path that she's not going to change was it God's will and desire for her first husband to die it's not God's will for that that people should perish and yet God is able to work with in the constraints that Ruth has now made this commitment did God demand it of Ruth that she commit to Naomi no But as she made that commitment, as life constrained her, all of a sudden we see this beautiful story take place where Ruth is reintroduced, is introduced to Boaz, 
Um, they get married. Their son, their lineage is actually the lineage of King David. She is woven into God's story in a dramatic, beautiful way. Her call ends up being this beautiful, wonderful redemption story. But it wouldn't have taken place that way if she hadn't followed through on her commitments, on the constraints that existed. There are things that have happened in our lives that you can't ignore. You have a child. That child is important. You can't ignore that child in the pursuit of your call. It is brought into what it means for you to live your life and to live it well. And she wasn't blind to her situation. Ruth knew she was making a very difficult decision. She knew she was giving up comfort and ease or possibility and going into a place of uncertainty. But in all of that, in her understanding of reality and the limits that she had, she still was able to work through her call. The second important feature for us as we work through the call God has in our lives is for you to consider the context. What are the circumstances that are going on in your life? What are the constraints and the limits that help define your, your path? These are important things to reflect on. Now I want to end with this final story, the story of Samuel. It's a story that when we think of call, a lot of times we think of a story like this. But it's important because the question behind this is, what voice or voices do you listen to? What voice or voices do you listen to? What or who woos you and draws you and directs your path as you live your life? Now Samuel, as a young man, was dedicated to the Lord. He committed himself um, early at a young age. His, his mother committed him to the temple. He's living in the temple, and he hears this voice. Let me read to you part of this. The Lord calls Samuel. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lied down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. I'll just pause here for a moment. Samuel is hearing God call out to him. First time, he misidentifies that voice. Second time, he misidentifies that voice. Third time, he misidentifies that voice because he's just working with the information he has in front of him. He has not yet heard the word of the Lord spoken. He doesn't yet recognize it, and yet it kind of seemed to sound a little bit like Eli, so he went to the one person he knew. He goes there, 
And then it's Eli who in sensitivity to God through his priestly duties and just living his life is able to be like, whoa, something's going on here. Maybe this is the Lord. Next time this happens, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It's an important feature. Sometimes when we're listening for the voice of God, we're not quite sure what we're hearing and we're working through it. And we need the wisdom and the advice of others and we need the wisdom and the guidance of God's word. We need the wisdom and the advice of the circumstances around us to help us understand what it is that we're actually hearing. So that's actually what happened. When Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went, and he lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling at, um, calling at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And then the story continues on, and Samuel receives the call to be a prophet. The voice of God is real. The voice of God is true and beautiful and something that we can attend to, something that we can learn to listen to through scripture, through prayer, through the guidance of others, and through the voice of God speaking into our spirit. It's a beautiful thing for us as Christians to actually be able to listen and consider the voice of God himself. And it's okay for us to get it wrong once in a while. It's okay for us to be confused and to seek wisdom and guidance. But the question is, is what voice are you listening to? Are you attending to it? Are you working on it? Are you reading God's word so that you get more and more familiar with the way God speaks and how he sounds? So that you're able to discern, you know what, that's, that's not from God, but this, this is, this makes sense to me. I love that in the passage in Romans 12, it reminded us of this important thing, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then we will be able to discern what's good and pleasing in the perfect will of God. And how do we transform our minds? Through our time with God, through scripture, through prayer, through listening, through worship. These are important features as we discern the call God has on our lives. So, brief recap. The first component is we have our gifts, we have our talents, we have the things that we're passionate about, we have the things that we wake up and stir our hearts and we see these needs and we just think about them. So that's who we are. And then the second component is, oh my mind went blank for a second because I, <laughs> someone from the audience, oh no, no feedback, okay. Second from the audience uh, is the context. It's the situations, the places we find ourselves in. And then the third point is the last one that I just mentioned, where we have God's unique voice and his guidance through scripture. You put these things together, and there's so much more, but if you focus on these things and you allow God to work through you, I'm confident that we're going to be able to continue to grow and refine, and even for some of us, find the calling that God has for our lives. As we go from this time, as we go from this place into your day, I encourage you to reflect on these things. Go back over these stories. Consider what, what in today and tomorrow you can do to refine and reflect on the call that God has on your life. We've all been called. And if there's some of you, one or two of you, that 
has this deep conviction that maybe God is speaking and calling to you about pastoral ministry um, or that kind of ministry, that kind of calling, talk to Pastor Matt or myself. We would be happy to speak to you about what that's looked like in our own lives. Let me pray for you, and then we'll go. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you that you call people. I thank you that from the beginning of history, you have spoken your word, that you've drawn people into new paths that are beautiful and good for them. But Lord, I also know that you've made us. You've made us in your image, and you look at us with love and delight, and you desire for us to do the things that bring us joy and give you glory. May we not hold back doing those things. Lord, it's a big question. What is my call? What on earth am I doing here? And I ask that you would speak to our hearts through scripture and through your voice that we could better learn what's going on and where we're at and that we can begin to strengthen the vocation of our lives, the direction and call that we, that we have in front of us. And Lord, you have that for all of us. Thank you that we have this opportunity in this life to make the most of it through following your will, listening to your voice. We love you, and amen. Friends, thank you for joining us this morning. I just pray that you have a wonderful week, a happy Canada Day, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care, and God bless.